0: Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. So, welcome. And today, we have a university student who's created a very interesting organization. And her name is Caitlin Wang, and the organization is Light. So, welcome, Caitlin.
1: Uh, Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay, so let's start with your education. You're in something called pathobiology and global health. Can you explain what pathobiology is?
1: For sure. Um, So, as you said, I'm a second year, um, sorry, actually, incoming third year now. I just finished second year at the University of Toronto, um, where I'm taking a specialist degree in pathobiology, Pathobiology is the study of diseases and essentially how diseases manifest in the body. So you get to learn like the pathways and mechanisms of disease, essentially. Um, My other interest is global health, which I'm taking an additional major for. Um, Global health is the study of I would say it's the more socioeconomic factors of health, which is why I wanted to take it in combination with the harder science and more biological basis of pathobiology. So while I get to learn about the mechanisms of disease in the body through pathobiology, I get to learn a little bit more about the social factors and social determinants of health through global health. So that looks like things that examining how a gender or race can affect um, health, health outcomes, health equity, those sort of things, health policy.
0: So it sounds to me like you're not going to be satisfied with a bachelor's degree. Is that true?
1: Yeah, so I will be finishing with a Bachelor of Science at U of T.
0: And then when?
1: Um, I'm hoping to potentially pursue medical school or um, continue with research and perhaps do a master's degree. Um, I would be really interested in doing a master's in public health or a master's in social work. So I have to see what the future holds for me.
0: Terrific. Okay, so somewhere along the line, in your part-time, you became involved with an organization called L I G H T. What does that stand for?
1: Oh, that's an awesome question. Um, So yeah, that organization spells out LIGHT, and it stands for Lead, Inspire, Grow, Hope, Transform. And essentially, it encompasses our values and our I think what we'd like to center our work in when empowering youth and engaging in advocacy.
0: And you're the executive director.
1: That's correct. Yes, I've been the executive director since I think you now 2019 was when I started.
0: So a little uh, more expansion on the purpose of the organization. And and what the organization does.
1: For sure. Um, So our organization focuses on a grassroots approach to youth empowerment. Um, Our founder, Jethusha Mantharajan, wanted to seek to create more opportunities for marginalized youth in the community to be able to walk away with meaningful skills and transferable knowledge. Um, so that's the basis on which it was founded. And what we essentially do is we work on helping youth realize their own potential through a variety of change making avenues. So one of those is like capacity building and knowledge, um, tr- um, knowledge building series through our fellowship program. Um, another one is through our policy advocacy team, which is the first um, policy advisory body in York region that works on you know, um, advocating for ideas and concepts that they think should be implemented at the local or even provincial level. And finally, the events and programming team, which seeks to implement um, actual events or programming to not only engage, but also to inspire and inform other individuals in the community of important issues or to fill gaps that they feel should be addressed.
0: So as I read on uh, online, you've had some involvement with the town council.
1: Mm-hmm, Talk to sure. us
0: about that.
1: Yeah, this has been a really exciting endeavor in the past year with our policy advocacy branch specifically. So throughout the year, we work with our youth um, members to see what type of issues that they're passionate about and what potential campaigns we can sort of look into towards our community and see where we can make a change. And one of the areas that we identified was the need to introduce land Um, acknowledgements at the beginning of council meetings and this there is precedence for this Um, many other councils already do this including um, the markham council as well as i believe toronto if i'm not mistaken so given that there's precedence and there's a growing need for greater acknowledgement of indigenous peoples the history and that first step in reconciliation we thought this was really important and very critical that you know our own local richmond hill council steps up to do this and it actually was introduced as a um, as a motion a few years ago by one of the other councillors. Um, unfortunately, it didn't get passed and there was actually a lot of, um, I guess, disappointment from the community that we saw in a few articles. So we said that given that there seems to be interest from the community for this to go through, um, we didn't see why there should be any reason preventing the implementation of land acknowledgements. So as a result, we set forth to take action. Um, this was done in a number of ways from doing a survey to see how you know, local Uh, civilians felt about land acknowledgements and their knowledge of land acknowledgements secondly we started a petition and then thirdly that culminated uh, in us producing a report and presenting that report in the form of deputations to the local council
0: and what happened at council
1: so the first time uh, we went to council it was super exciting we had one of our members uh, prepare an entire speech Um, it was extremely well delivered her name was mecca um, and she delivered it to the council Um, it was met with i think a rather lukewarm response like obviously they were very respectful um they heard her out but there wasn't too much of i think interest from the council so we were thinking um maybe we need to talk to them a little bit on a more personal level maybe more, more one-on-one i uh, we reached out by sending the report directly to their offices and um hopefully they had a chance to peruse the report um we're not sure um and then there from there we decided Since there didn't seem to be too much of a response in the first time, we we gave them like a few weeks to see if they were going to produce any sort of response or statement um, or if there was going to be any subsequent discussion in another um, council meeting. Unfortunately, there wasn't to our understanding, so we decided to return to the council just to kind of restate our um, intent and interest in seeing this fruition. Um, And from there, there was a little bit more of a response, and then we actually got an email from um one of the other uh groups within council discussing that they were going to reintroduce it as a potential motion so we're not sure where it stands right now but we think that there at least is an inkling of hope that this will be reintroduced as a motion into the council and all we can do is continue pushing for that change and advocating that this is something that not only do we the youth of richmond hill want but also other um citizens within our um, community in our town
0: so Did you reach out to the mayor and the member of provincial parliament and the member of parliament?
1: So we actually didn't because we were focusing on more local advocacy and we wanted to see this implemented at a municipal level first. Um, There are different jurisdictions. So if we were to want provincial government to implement them, which I'm not sure, but they might already um, implement it. Although I do know that there's not necessarily a requirement right now. So I think that would be a really interesting next step for, you know, federal or provincial government to actually like legislate that, you know, by law, it's required that all municipal councils um, introduce a land acknowledgement at the beginning of the meetings, right? Because I think that would be a a huge step in now entrenching that mandate in legislation, right? Um, So that would be definitely a next step, but we haven't done that yet because we were first just focusing at a grassroots level Um, Working with our local municipal government to see where we can go from there.
0: Well, now that we have an Indigenous Governor General, it should be uh, much easier to uh, get the message through to local politicians that they have to get on board.
1: Well, hopefully. Um, I think we were very pleased to see that there was an Indigenous individual. Um, appointed to the governor general role, i think it's the first step in many steps to come i would love to see more representation of indigenous individuals at the government level for sure because um, we were having an event this past year at our uh, at our social justice conference which was called glow and we had a panel discussing the crisis of missing and murdered indigenous women and one of our panelists pointed out you know if we don't have indigenous representation in government other individuals who are non-Indigenous will never be able to understand the depth and nuance of these issues that are affecting our communities. Like they can be allies, which is really great. And sadly, most of the time, they're not even effective allies, but even allyship is not enough, right? We need actual Indigenous persons in government to be able to make legislation that's like re- relevant and responsive and actually effective in addressing these core issues at their root. Well,
0: now in the First Nation level, we also have a woman from Ontario who's oh, in charge. Cool. Yes,
1: I was not aware of that. I, well, that's, I should. That's, a,
0: that's very that's exciting.
1: A, yeah, for sure.
0: So okay, so light has been around a couple of years now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Have you had inquiries from other communities, or are you thinking of expanding what you're doing in other communities?
1: Hmm. Um, So it's really, it's really wonderful that you brought that up because as a next step in our strategic planning, we are planning on expanding light to other regions this year. In fact, it was something that has been entertained for at least a few years now because light just turned five years old this year, which was really amazing. I think from even as early as the second year, we had inquiries from other regions, even I think a youth leader from India was actually interested in starting their own flight branch at, um, in their country at the time. But unfortunately, we just didn't have the capacity being such a young organization to help support multiple branches. Whereas now we're a little bit more established, I think we have a lot more experience under our belt. And now as a result, we're able to expand to other regions. So um, currently, we're conducting executive recruitment. And one of those roles is going to be a chapter development director that will hopefully work on liaising with different regions to start their own light branches and light chapters.
0: Well, Caitlin, talk about your team. Who are they? Are they all students? And Mm -hmm. uh, what roles do they perform?
1: Uh, I I must say I love my team. Uh, They're the most brilliant group of individuals I've ever had the privilege of working with. I think light attracts some of the best um youth advocates from the region Uh, we we work more locally so i work mainly with individuals from the gta so i think it'll be really wonderful to expand that in the future but in my past experience it has just been absolutely amazing to work with these individuals Um, all of our team is uh are under i guess 20 years old i'm the oldest person so so basically every most of them our team mostly comprises high school students Um, so that basically means anyone from the age of 13 up to 24, but we don't have as many, um, I think post-secondary students joining us. We have a few, um, but mainly high school students and specifically on my executive team, we have, this year was run by a team of seven individuals, including myself. So we have a director of operations who helps us with a lot of the events and programming. We have a director of finance who helps us with our budgeting, um, looking for sponsorships and grants. We have a director of um, research and content development who oversees the policy advocacy team. We have a director of marketing communications who helps us with our social media, our branding, our outreach. We have a a director of training who helps us with our fellowship program. And we also have an executive assistant who basically is kind of like the catch-all who helps out with all of the teams. I hope I did not miss anybody. (laughs) It would be very sad if I did.
0: Okay, so you're like the mama bear. You look after all your kids.
1: Oh, for sure. I I like being the mom friend, but I also think that sometimes we we sometimes play different roles because we sometimes joke that sometimes another individual would be the mom friend, whereas I I think the roles change. So for sure, I'm very proud of them, and I love being kind of like that mom figure, but I also think sometimes they're that mom, mom figure back to me as well.
0: Okay. So how do you go about funding this organization?
1: Mm -hmm. we've been extremely privileged in being funded by the ontario trillium funds youth opportunities fund for the past few years um that funding is coming to a close soon as we're in the final year of our funding so we're from here trying to look for other sponsorships and other grant opportunities so we've been i guess in the past funded by the ontario government we've been funded by the Laidlaw foundation we've had various small sponsorships from local uh businesses and organizations. And we're hoping in moving forward that we can make use of other micro grants and also hopefully larger grants that we can apply for.
0: I have obviously tapped into a lot of resources and that's a great thing. Okay, so here's a visioning question. Three years from today, what's light going to look
1: like? I think that's really exciting to think about. Um, I would say at least one of three things. Actually, not even one, just I think these three things I think would be really great for us to see. Um, Firstly, having multiple light branches across Canada, so not just in the York Region area, but also maybe in like British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Quebec, um, Manitoba, in the Maritimes, in the Uh, territories. I think that would be really, really exciting. I would love for like to even expand to other countries. I think that's actually very within our reach. And I think that given our capacity and our experience, we have the means to do so. So I think that's very feasible for us to envision and strive for. Secondly, I would really love for us to further establish our advocacy, um, not only locally, but even maybe at a greater level. So even provincially or nationally, Uh, I think right now we've kind of, started establishing our name for ourselves, making ourselves known to the town council, because previously, you know, I don't think city council knew who Light was, but now that we've given a few deputations, we've sent them some of our materials, some of our research, um, they're becoming more aware of who we are. So I think having that opportunity to not only advise, but maybe co-create with policymakers and other legislators would be super exciting. Um, And then finally, something that we were, we've were we been working on with the fellowship uh, program. Our fellowship program is basically our capacity building program. So it invites leaders who have nearly no previous experience with leadership or activism, and it engages them in a 10 month training series where they get to learn about social justice topics as well as 21st century skills. So what we've been really hoping to do with this program is to translate it into sort of a universal resource that could be used by educators, um, organizers, leaders across the world um, so what we've been doing is translating those lessons into modules that could then be customized to a curriculum based on your needs for your organization or for your um, whatever your goals are. So I think those three things, like having multiple branches, having established advocacy, and making our training program more accessible and more world uh, sort of more widely used, would be the goals. Yeah.
0: Talk about the importance of partnerships.
1: Mm. Partnerships are extremely important because. I think that that's how you're able to grow your network. Um, in another organization I'm part of, which is young Ontarians United, we saw the power of creating those networks in being able to not only connect with other like-minded individuals who are working towards the same goals, but also just extending your own reach. Right. Um, I think in light we've partnered with a number of previous organizations and also featured a bunch of speakers from other, um, from other, I guess, region areas of specialties and organizations. So, I feel like it's really important for us to be able to have those safe and working partnerships. Um, We've also had not so great partnerships because we've actually spoken about this in our adult allyship um, event where we were talking about how adults can be better allies to youth and supporting youth work. And I think that with us being a youth organization, we need the support of others in our community, right? Because I think that it's really important that adults see the value of youth work and they don't just kind of undermine it thinking like, oh, because the leaders running that work are younger, then it's just like not as valued or not as important. Um, So I think it's really important that we're able to now connect with other organizations to increase our legitimacy, to increase our, um, our presence in the community and to increase our impact ultimately. What do your
0: parents think of what you're doing? (laughs)
1: My parents, um, they're really proud for one, but also I think they can't keep up (laughs) because they're always, um, they're always, they're always telling me, you know, Caitlin, we don't really know what you're up to half the time. Um, Or they're like, sometimes you'll always be onto something new because I'll always excitedly tell them, I keep them updated about everything, but I just think that there's so much to keep track of that. It's just too much for them. So I'll be like, oh, I'm working on this new thing, and they'll be, they'll ask me, oh, is this for light? Or is this for young and Heroes united? Is this for something else? And then I think they have like a running list in their mind, this sort of like mind map. But I think um, it's sometimes a little bit overwhelming. But they're really, they're really pleased with this work, and they fully support it. And they've also been hugely supportive because they've had to do so many things throughout my high school career up to now, including like driving me everywhere, um, supporting me by helping me. Uh, Purchase things because basically how light works is like you purchase the item and then get reimbursed at some point Light was owing my parents like thousands of dollars because I just kept using their credit card to buy things and then obviously we'll get reimbursed but it's just um, Having parents that just I guess don't put any limitations on like what I need to be able to actualize This work has been really really necessary in helping me achieve my goals
0: Okay uh, slightly different question in terms of language Are you in English only?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm quite unilingual. (laughs) Um, I know a little bit of some other languages, including French and Cantonese and Mandarin, but I would not say enough to be conversational i think it's like very low level Um, that's one of my goals right now to be able to learn more languages because i understand the power of being able to speak to other individuals in other languages so that would be something that on a personal level i would really like to endeavor to learn more languages
0: what about your website could it also be expanded to include other languages
1: Mm, for sure i think um, bilingual delivery is really important Um, I learned this through my work with young diplomats of Canada. Um, They're really amazing in ensuring that all of their materials are always produced in both languages and, you know, other community leaders such as like apathy is boring. I think also usually produce their materials in both languages as well. So I think that that's something that with more capacity in the future, we'll be able to expand and, you know, involve um, more Francophone communities and have, French uh translations available of our materials of our website um and I think that's a really great point you bring up
0: not just French Cantonese and Mandarin come on now
1: I would I would love I would love it if there's other languages I just think sometimes for an organization that's on the smaller side um I'm super proud of the work and the progress that light has done so far but I know that sometimes increasing the accessibility in terms of languages is a lot of work, um, because you need translators, you need resources for individuals to be translating. And I know it's a lot of work for them too. So I think if we can get funding so that we could properly compensate individuals for doing this translation work, that would be really amazing. Um, and that would certainly, I think be the goal. Um, you mentioned Cantonese and Mandarin, which is great because I'm personally Chinese, but I also think that, um, having are materials available even in indigenous languages like, um, Mi'kmaq or, um, like Ojibwe. I think that all of those would be really great, um, for also showing our values and what we think is important for youth work and advocacy to look like.
0: Okay. Well, because I live in Markham, I'm in, in the more minority. As you probably know, there's, uh, Chinese are about 45% of the population. Another 20% is Sri Lankan, Indian, and Pakistani. And then there's a few white guys. <laughs> so, so well, I,
1: I think Mar- Ar- Markham is a very multicultural place. In fact, I think it's one of the most uh, diverse cities in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. It
0: is, it is. Okay, so what do you got to do to grow the organization,
1: mm, the work the work is the work is great for sure. Um, I think there's a lot of work needed in I think expanding our reach. I think that's what one of the things we're working most on right now is increasing you know our social media presence, our um, the awareness that other individuals have in the community of us. Um, hopefully, increasing that via media coverage potentially. Um, from there, once we are able to be more established and more well-known, I think. We have a lot of human resources already. Like I think light is already a fairly large organization. Uh, we have about 50 plus individuals, but I think expanding that even further would be, um, great because you can, you know, just expand the power behind your work locally. And then also if, as I mentioned previously with having more branches, you'd be able to expand your work to other regions as well. So, you know, just getting more people on board, more people galvanized. Um, to work towards the same mission that we are in visualizing a world that has, like, true justice, equality for all, and, like, youth involvement in, you know, all levels of decision-making, basically. Um, So I think that's what I would say. The presence is really important in the coverage as well as our scope of our work.
0: So do you have a board of directors or a volunteer board of advisors?
1: So we do have a few... um, notable leaders in our community that help us a lot um, especially in the inception of our organization um, now i feel like because we're a little bit more self-sufficient we don't meet with them as often but we did have a number of advisors whether it's um, yvonne kelly from the school board um clovis grant from 360 kids um, we we had a couple of like key adult advisors that really helped us we are looking to incorporate as a nonprofit organization. So actually for the past five years, we've had a significant amount of impact without not even being incorporated. We've been a grassroots organization this entire time. I think incorporation would be really great because that would open doors to the grants that we'd be eligible for. And it also would, I think, improve our legitimacy because we're now recognized as an entity, you know, under the government as a organization that's doing work for the community, et cetera. Um, so yeah.
0: What you have to remember though, once you incorporate, you have to get a job with light because the directors could fire you. <laughs> Wouldn't um, that be I'm, something?
1: So I know. you'd I have would to be,
0: apply for a job.
1: <laughs> I would be happy to be under the oversight of a board of directors. I think they would be proud of the work that we're doing. <laughs>
0: Okay. Now, let's get to one of the final items and the reason why I asked you to be involved in this podcast and it has to do with something called the Diana Awards.
1: Mhm. That is correct.
0: Can you tell me what that is?
1: So, the Diana Award is this award that has been established in the memory of Princess Diana. It's the only organization that has been established in her memory that recognizes young leaders around the world for the change-making efforts that they're endeavoring into. Um, so I think it's really amazing because they receive thousands of nominations every year, and they from there, they select the individuals that they believe are worthy of being a recipient of the Deanna Award. And essentially, to be eligible for the award, you need to be engaged in some sort of like change-making endeavor Um, and you have to be engaged in it for a, you know, more long-term they're looking for people that have been committed for a longer time. And it's for people that kind of embodied the values that princess Diana stood for. So that's like kindness, compassion, service, selflessness, um, those sort of qualities. And it's been really amazing because I've gotten to connect with the Diana award family, as they like to call it, and seeing and hearing about the world at the work that so many, other individuals around the world is doing. It's been so inspiring and empowering because I've just had so many more ideas from seeing the work that other people are doing and realizing that really the sky isn't even the limit when it comes to different youth work that you can be involved with and the sort of innovation that people are doing to address you know some of society's greatest issues.
0: But the only reason you know about the Diane Awards is because...
1: I was very privileged this year to be nominated by my co-director, um, co-founder of Young and Terrence United, so I was actually one of the privileged recipients this year.
0: Exactly. One of 400, which is pretty amazing, that mm-hmm. uh, somebody from Richmond Hill would be recognized by a group out of London, England.
1: Yeah, so I know, right?
0: You, you have to congratulate yourself, you that's that's a great award that you've received.
1: Oh well, that is extremely kind of you. I think I'm still in awe a little bit. It doesn't. It almost doesn't feel real. You know, I some other individuals have described like this out of body experience watching the whole um, award ceremony, and even myself included. I think, um, like you said, for someone as normal as myself coming from just like, you know, Richmond Hill, Ontario, Canada to receive this grand award um, establishing someone who I look up to and I think was an amazing symbol for, you know, believing in youth, um, believing in like social justice. um, It's just really, really, um, I, I guess it just makes me feel really honored to be recognized for the work that I've been doing.
0: So Caitlin, you've provided a lot of information about yourself and your organization. How do people reach your organization?
1: Mm -hmm, For sure. So we do have a website, which is www.lightcommunity.org. We are hoping to revamp it because it hasn't been renovated in a few years now. So that's a summer project of ours. Uh, Primarily, we love using Instagram because we find that that's where we're able to reach our youth audience the best. Our Instagram handle is at light community underscore, but we're also present on Facebook and Twitter, although they're less active because we just find that they're not as effective of an avenue for our organization personally. Um, So that is where we are available. And also on YouTube, we have a YouTube channel where we recently released a podcast series called The Social Norm, where we had high school students discussing various social issues.
0: Look, thank you very much today. It's unusual to find you available on a Sunday, but I do appreciate the time, and uh, thank you very much for your time.
1: Well, thank you so much, Peter. It's been a pleasure to speak with you.